All right, so we've already had one casualty among the leadership ranks following uh, last week's federal election. Anime Paul out as leader of the Greens. I think we all saw that one coming. Um, that was just a disaster of a campaign, and uh, the leader takes the fall. Uh, now we're going to talk about Aaron O'Toole, and some of you already weighing in. Uh, this listener says, O'Toole doesn't have the, quote, perfect political appearance, and he's way too introverted and quiet. I wish Peter McKay was elected instead. Uh, I think Stephen Harper was pretty introverted and quiet, uh, and a lot of people like Stephen Harper. I don't know. Um, I think, I mean, for me personally... Um, Aaron O'Toole is trying to make some changes among the Conservative Party that some people don't like, but a lot of people do. Um, and uh, if I'm in charge, and I'm not, I'd give him another election cycle to see where it goes. But that's just me. Um, let's have a discussion here. We're going to chat now with Andrew Brander, who is a longtime party organizer who served as Chief of Staff to former Deputy Conservative Leader Lisa Raitt, and get his take on this. Uh, Andrew, thanks for your time this morning. Appreciate it. Good morning, Shay. Pleasure to be here. So whenever we go through an election, there, there's no doubt about it. We, we, we take a look at the leadership, especially if you don't win. There's always second guessing and looking back. But let's break down these election results, first of all. Um, you know, it's, it's depending on how you feel about Aaron O'Toole, it seems to me that's how you feel about the federal election outcome. You can find good or bad no matter which side of the fence you're on, right? That's right. I think that's exactly right. Look, I mean, I mean at the end of the day, uh, Aaron O'Toole spent uh, about 75% of the campaign with the key message of the day saying that this is an unnecessary uh, election that Canadians don't want. And uh, what do you get at the end of the day? Uh, the exact same result as before. So if anything, I mean, I think, I think Aaron O'Toole can be vindicated in, in some sense of, of saying that, look, Canadians didn't want this election. Canadians wanted uh, a minority government to, to work together. And, and that's why they certainly did not reward uh, the Liberals, um, nor did they, uh, did they, you know, reward any of the other parties for simply pointing out um, the fact that this was, you know, a $600 million cabinet shuffle. Um, you know, when you take a look at what O'Toole did during this campaign, he got criticized a lot for being liberal light, for moving too far to the center, which I think really divides conservatives. But there are some conservatives who sit back and say, listen, if we want to be elected on a national level, we need to do this. We need to move closer to the center. It's risky. O'Toole took that gamble. Is it going to pay off? Doesn't he need more time to try and implement that, Andrew? So I think he does. I think what a lot of people are uh, are forgetting is is the fact that you know Aaron O'Toole really is only the third leader of uh, the newly constituted quote unquote newly constituted merged Conservative Party, and and I think there's a lot of questions that the Conservatives always want to ask after. Uh, after these election campaigns in terms of uh, in terms of trying to drill down on what the identity of the party is. But in, in reality, um, because the right side of the spectrum in uh, in Canada is is so, you know, narrow in, in, in the first place, the, the party really has to create um, that that broad consensus and and be that big blue tent that embraces uh, all uh, factions of, of the conservative party and of, of the conservative brand if they're able to or, or if they if they aspire to be uh, more than what the NDP is which is you know uh, uh, official opposition yeah. at best yeah. so so 
I, I think I think in that sense, a lot of people need to need to remember uh, this guy was leader for one year, uh, and it was a very very bizarre year in the sense that the prime minister was out every day talking to Canadians, uh, you know, extending his trust that he had already built with Canadians, and in large part, um, Aaron O'Toole only had a chance to do that. Uh, when when the media, uh, and this isn't pointing fingers or anything, uh, but when the media uh, afforded him the chance to do so, and, and that is is the fair coverage uh, that, that media give to uh, all political leaders once an election starts. And you saw that in the in the public opinion polls. If you go back three months ago, um, you know, Aaron O'Toole was dead in the water. Uh, his his approval ratings were miserable, mm-hmm. uh, and and to have those be virtually on par with the prime minister on election day uh, is is nothing short of short of remarkable. Unfortunately, when you're asking to be the leader uh, of the G seven nation, uh, I'm I'm really not sure 36 days is enough to do that. Now, I think the criticism that he's facing in some corners, and I think it's warranted, Andrew, is the fact that some of the issues changed throughout the course of the campaign. And a lot of the MPs that were campaigning under his banner said, we weren't even involved in this. We found out when we saw it on the news. He didn't stick to the platform. He made changes on guns. Um, other issues came up. You know, he campaigned against a carbon tax originally, and then he, he relented on that down the road. So it, there's a there's an attack on him saying he doesn't stand by the principles that he espouses, and he's just going to change as the wind blows, and he doesn't even tell the party membership about it. Well, one thing I'd say I'd say to that is, uh, you know, in, in Aaron's defense, I think he did. I think uh, the the night he was elected, uh, he refers to this often. The the speech at one thirty in the morning after uh, a, a little bit of a complication around the Tory convention in terms of uh, counting ballots, but he said very clearly in that speech uh, and set the tone and said, you know, this is going to be a new Conservative Party. This is going to be a party that reflects more Canadians. Uh, and he said that during the campaign multiple times as well uh, in saying, you know, this is not going to be your your grandfather's conservative party. But I do think he set the tone early. Um, so, uh, you know, people people who were surprised by any of these things probably shouldn't have been. Um, but but let's be clear um, and and saying that, you know, the reason why Aaron was doing all these things um, was to insulate himself against the liberal attacks um, from from lessons learned from campaigns in the past. And I think uh, conservatives would be even more frustrated if we had just come through a campaign uh, where we saw the exact same problems plague the party um, that that plagued uh, our, our last campaign, where we were explaining every day. And, uh, you know, when we specifically talk about what those issues are, if we want to talk about the carbon tax, sure, we can talk about mm. we can talk about that. But, um, you know, he came out four months ago uh, to do to, to tackle that issue. And how many times did we really talk about climate change or conservatives being deniers of of climate change during the campaign i actually think that that issue was was handled exceptionally well because we didn't spend the whole campaign talking about it nor did we want to um but but that wasn't you know a ballot box issue for most canadians uh you know issues around indigenous rights 
um, and and other areas where we could be vulnerable with the LGBTQ community, for example. Both issues he started talking about, um, you know, on on the night he was elected leader and in his first speech in the House of Commons. So you really see through this, and in the last year that Aaron did have to insulate himself against those liberal attacks, um, he he did quite an effective job. So much so that that the first two and a half weeks of the campaign really. Uh, the Liberals were, you know, jumping from one issue to another just to f- try and find something uh, to to stick to him, and and eventually, you know, we got there got there on the on the issue around guns. Um, but I think that would be a, a, another question the Tories have to look at in terms of, um, you know, the the importance of that issue with voters. I still don't think voters were going to the polls on election day and saying, I'm voting against Aaron O'Toole because I think he's going to give give out assault rifles to people. So so I mean I think there's there's questions around that. But uh if 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 the broader question obviously is about red meat issues for conservatives, then I, I do think that there um, is some room in this iteration of the Conservative Party to expand on some of that without compromising this new coalition that Aaron's trying to build. I think there could have been more efforts to broaden policies around free speech and democracy. I think the party uh, can't back down uh, on, on the China front. Um, I also think, you know, there's there's certainly a lot more the party can do in terms of autonomy of the provinces. We've seen this manifest in their commitments on childcare, health transfers, pandemic management, and even vaccines. But I think there's other opportunities within this framework that Aaron set out uh, to to further broaden uh, broaden appeal to to red meat conservative uh, voters. Andrew, what about the party itself? I mean, regardless of who the leader is, um, that would be, uh, you know, if we remove O'Toole at this point. Uh, You're now looking at the third leader going into uh, what could be an election at any time, really. There's got to be some sort of an argument for having a bit of stability, regardless of who the leader is. Yeah, exactly. I think that's right. I think um, I think as as I just went through the the liberal playbook is uh, a tale as old as time. Right. So uh, if if Aaron has if if we are to agree that Aaron uh, did uh, in in some way, shape or form, do a pretty good job at insulating himself. Um, and, uh, you know, that was the second question we addressed. Your first question was, was there enough runway for right, Aaron yeah. to build trust? And so if we're, if we're looking at those two things as being the biggest factors, not enough time and, and still some work to do on sort of insulating against liberal attacks, then the, the, the worst thing I think the party can do right now is to elect a new leader in which they, the Liberals, will institute that same old playbook next time around. And again, you, you've, you've now lost uh, any time in terms of building, building the trust with Canadians. Um, and, and we know we're going to be vulnerable on those issues again, especially if, if the result from this is a resounding uh, rejection of the direction that Aaron was trying to take the party into. 
and then and then reverting back to you know a, a, a different iteration or a third iteration, if you will, right? Yeah. Um, of 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 what the conservatives stand for. Um, so so I, I as I said, I I think there is a framework now that Aaron can work within to. You know, brought in, brought in appeal and on, uh, back on the right, right side of the party. Um, because, because I, I think we have to look very closely at the election results and it's still a little bit early. Um, but we, we look to the question of motivation and, and what it seems so far, at least, is that a lot of our voters are, are, are still there, but weren't motivated, uh, to come out and vote. So I think, I think the Tories really need to look at um, where their vote is efficient and where it isn't. Um, uh, interestingly enough, the vote share percentage that the Liberals got was, was the uh, was the fourth lowest they've ever gotten. That includes wins and losses. Right. Yeah. Um, and and so for them to still squeak out uh, a win uh, means that they've figured out something in terms of their vote efficiency and and maximizing it, but the Tories have not. Um, and, and I know how frustrated a number of your listeners are election after election supporting a party that overwhelmingly wins in the province just to have that spoiled, uh, by where I live in the GTA. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so I think a bright point, uh, a, you know, something that I point to that's a bright spot for the Tories. Um, yes, we saw some narrowing of races out west in terms of, in terms of the margin for the Tory MPs. Um, but here in the GTA, uh, we saw the uh, obverse effect in, in the sense that uh, the liberal margins were coming down. Uh, so there's about 20 seats now in the GTA that broke for the liberals this time around, where the Tories came up very, very strong second. Uh, it, it would be best for the party to sort of spend their efforts right now figuring out how to pick up those 20 seats. Uh, and that's the difference, right? Yeah, that that's makes the all difference, the difference, yeah. Exactly. And a great discussion. Really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. That's Andrew Brander, a longtime party organizer who served as chief of staff to former Deputy Conservative Leader Lisa Raitt. Uh, He wants Aaron O'Toole to be given another run.